Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. Come on, who's ready to hear from the Word of God today? Let me hear from you. So we are on week number three of Christ in You. Love those who hate you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But here's what I'm going to start out with the most profound thought that I've ever said on a Sunday morning. Let's see if you're ready for it. Um, For those who don't know, I have four children. I have a Judah. And by the way, if you're Bible thumpers, you're going to love this name. And I'm sorry as a pastor. Judah, Gideon, Silas, and Moriah. All Bible names, I'm sorry, but they will be picked on going to a Christian school too. Like, I set them up for abuse, and I understand that my name will be brought up a lot in a counseling office. Like, I get it already. So, so I have four kids, and here's, here's the big thought that I want to start with you today for you to understand. Every single one of my kids, when they were born, I was smarter than them. That was it. Not anymore. Some of them, I appreciate that. Uh, We are a very interactive church. Feel free to throw out your slams on the pastor two minutes in. So, uh, by the way, I want to explain a little bit more about that. But if you're a guest here, maybe you've just been checking us out. You're just jumping in on this series. There's one big thought that you need to know that we're going to be unpacking today. And this is the thought. Being in Christ prepares me for heaven, or if you've been saved and you said yes to Jesus Christ, you have been prepared for heaven. You will be able to one day stand in God's glory next to Jesus Christ who you gave your life to. That's true. But having Christ within you prepares the earth for heaven. And so we're trying to figure out when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're trying to figure out how to do that. So in order to figure out how to do that, let me just tell you this. I believe to this day, and especially after every one of my kids was born, I was smarter than them. Parents, can I just hear, do you feel the same way that you have more knowledge, sometimes 20, 30, 40 years of knowledge, that you're guaranteed that you're smarter than the kids? Now, if I ask teenagers... Are you smarter than your parents? Let's see if any of you guys have guts. Teenagers, are you smarter than your parents? Oh, ain't no way. I appreciate the ownership there. You get lunch out today. But we did have a couple yeses, which oddly enough are my kids. And so here... I'm driving home from, with Silas the other night. Kids went back to school for the first time this week. They had a half a day, so we decided to do a little... We got one really excited parent uh, that kids are back to school, Uh, except my daughter went for a half a day, got sick, and has been home for two days on antibiotics. So yes, I love herd immunity. I think it's great. Let's all get them incubators together and get them sick. So um, I'm coming home the other day, half day of school, coming home from swimming. I'm with my Silas. If you don't know who Silas is, here's what it is. If you ever have an eight-hour road trip and you want to talk the entire time by having the most inquisitive kids you've ever met ask you nonstop questions, Silas is your guy. (laughs) Silas is your guy. And Silas, we get in the car, we have a whole 
six-minute drive home, and he goes, Dad, so what exactly do you do for a living? <laughs> Oddly enough, it's a very common question that I get. They're like, we know you talk on Sundays, but do you do anything else? And I said, well, normally, Cy, Monday is my sermon day. Like, I come in, and I only want to work on the sermon because I have to get stuff out. And uh, right now, our online moderator, for those in our online campus, they're able to drop stuff because I made notes ahead of time. And for those of you who have downloaded the app and you're looking at our sermon notes, I had to get those done ahead of time. And for those of you going to be a part of nav groups and you're going somewhere to talk and meet with people this week, there's some questions there. I have to get them done ahead of time. So I said, I normally do that on Monday. Sometimes it trickles over on Tuesday. Unless I'm not disciplined on Monday, then it trickles over to Thursday. So, um, and he goes, have you ever got a sermon like just all at once? Or do you have to think through it? And I realized I have the opportunity now to take something that I don't, that I know that my son doesn't, and I'm able to explain it to him. And so I started processing, and by the way, I'm not going to take as much time with him because I believe you guys are some smart adults. You'll figure this out with me. I said, son, when you're hearing from God, it's different than hearing from people. And let me explain this. I said, there have been times before where I got an entire sermon in one thought. And I said, I didn't even have to write it down. I just had the whole thought. And he goes, well, how do you know that's from God and not from you? And I said, because as humans, we think linear. So right now, in me explaining to you how we think linear, I had to start a couple minutes ago and start laying out some thoughts for you to process along the linear measure of time that we're going. And now at the end, here's what I can tell to you. That thought I started a couple minutes ago that I built upon, now you have the full thought in your head that we think linear. God thinks eternal. God doesn't have to process through time like we do. And so if you want to know the difference, and this is my opinion, something I shared with my son, I want to share with you. The difference between hearing from God and hearing from you is when you hear from you, you think through it. When you hear from God, you get the thought and you know it. Have you ever been with someone before and just had like a whole thought of, man, where did this come from? There's a chance it came from eternity because you got the wholeness of it versus the linear pattern that we have to think through to go, is this right or should I say it? I wonder what they're feeling. No, no, no. You just know. And to me, that was the difference between hearing from God and hearing to myself. And so I got to say this to Silas, and it was so exciting because when I said to him, does this make sense to you? He said, it does. And then here's the coolest thing that started happening. Silas started talking to me out of the knowledge that I just gave him. And my number one job as a dad, I mean this, my number one job as a dad is not to teach my kids a religion, But my number one job is to teach them how to interact with their God. And the best way to know is to know his voice. And so I got the opportunity, if I could say it like this, I've incarnated this relationship that I have with God. I've I've heard some information about who Jesus was. And if you've ever talked to someone who knows about Jesus but doesn't have a personal relationship, it sounds a lot different than the ones that have that personal relationship, right? And because it's the difference between knowing about Jesus and living for Jesus. Our job as followers of Jesus Christ isn't to gain more head knowledge. It isn't so just to keep hearing so we keep knowing. It's so that we start living. 
And in order to live it, I have to incarnate the word. I have to make it a part of who I am. And by the way, you guys know, okay, let's talk practical real quick. How many of here know that you need to spend less money than you make every single month? Right? Now, without a show of hands, how many know that information, but you don't incarnate that information? Right? Okay, so here's another one. I appreciate people raising other people's hands right now. This is awkward. Let's just keep going. Okay, I'm saying this as I suck in as hard as possible. How many know how to eat healthy? Okay, but how many people last night convinced your wife to get out of bed with you at 930 to go downstairs? Okay, okay, one other guy outside of me, but like, and, and going downstairs, she makes a little snack, which was a, a bagel with a little whipped cream, and me, I made some brownies, but I didn't bake them, that takes too long, I just ate the dough. <laughs> Don't mind being honest with you, by the way, try it, best dessert you'll ever have, it's fantastic, and so here's the thing, I knew that going to bed, what my insulin was going to do, I also knew that waking up this morning, have you eaten so much junk food that the next day you go, why is there sugar in my mouth the next morning? Like, I, just because I know it and I've heard it doesn't mean that I live it. And what we're supposed to do, and here's, actually I would say this, I believe what God has done over time is he has rolled out new truths for us to be able to live in, because God doesn't just want us to know all about him. God wants us to live as if we know all about him. And so he gives us age-appropriate understanding. And this is where we're at today. We need to figure out age-appropriate what God has done. Because there was a time when the children of Israel, just to know God, it was come to a mountain. And then after that, it was come to a temp temple. And then after that, it was come to a priest. But then after that, eventually a guy named Jesus came along and it was a body fitly joined together and the Holy Spirit was here on earth. And over time, every denomination that's ever been planted here on the earth, it got planted because God had a new truth, a new revelation that he wanted to give us. But it isn't enough just to get it, we have to incarnate it. It has to become a part of who we are. So people who say, I'm not a fan of denominations, just so you know, I can't go down that road with you. Here's what I can say. I'm a fan that there was a group of people that heard the revelation of Jesus Christ in their time period, and they were so interested in not losing it that they tried to shape and form a structure around it to keep it. Which, by the way, that's how we get denominations. The holiness movement is the Nazarene, salvation and baptism, the Baptists, the uh, Presbyterians. They're the keepers of the word. Every one of these denominations go back because God had a revelation for us here on the earth, and these people... They said this, we need to incarnate this. This needs to become a part of who we are. And the revelation that we're talking about today is going to be coming out of Colossians. Now, before we jump to that, because I know you guys are ready to uh, jump to the scriptures, I want to do a quick review of what we've covered over the last two weeks after reading Colossians. The first week, we understood this, that knowing a mystery, and by the way, this mystery that we're talking about today is that Christ is in us. 
That is the big mystery that we've talked about two weeks ago, last week, this week, and next week, is Christ is in us. And in order to prove that Christ is in us, we have to start incarnating that truth, or if I can say it this way, we have to live that truth out. So Jesus then tells a story at the end of time, he's going to separate everybody, this was week number one, into sheep and goats. And I know that sounds weird, but let's say this, the left side and the right side. He's going to get separate people that look like him and don't look like him. And you say this, well, how is it that we look like Christ is because we do Christ-like things. We feed the poor. We clothe the naked. We house the homeless. We take care of the widows, the orphans, those in prison or in bondage. We go to visit them. And Jesus actually said this, thank you for clothing me. Thank you for giving me drink when I was thirsty. And everyone goes, well, when did you do it? When you did it to the least of these, it was like you did it just for me. So he, he's saying there will become a time that there are some aspects of our life that we don't think about, we just do. And it should be common to all of us. And what is this? It is to help people when they are in their times of need. But we don't just help them in their time of need. We actually do something greater, which we talked about last week. We, re we talked about last week that there's only one of two, if I can say this, outfits that you can wear. The first outfit we get from our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, his name was Adam. And it was known as a sin nature. And yes, on the 90 degree weeks is when I decide to pull out leather jackets and start wearing them. So let's get sweaty and let's get serious. Okay, so you have Adam, when he originally sinned, he dropped his glory coat and he picked up his sin nature. And we have been living with this sin nature. And, and we would once a year go to a tabernacle and, and do like an animal sacrifice and it would almost like appease it. But the fact is we kept wearing it. And when Jesus came along, this is one of the coolest things ever, his desire was for our sin nature to be taken off and our glory nature to be put on. So when we look around at everything that Jesus did, we're like, man, how is it that he's living so different, so radical, so amazing outside of us? That's because he has a whole different coat on. Or can I say this? A whole different glory nature, a whole different uh, outlook on where he, his holiness level should be. And so our job, as we are walking out what it looks like is Christ, our desire is, ready for this, to take off the sin nature as much as possible and put on the glory nature as much as possible. And when we, in week number one, help those that are hurting, help those that are thirsty, help those in prison, help those that are naked, you know what we actually get to do? We actually get to help them take off their, their sin nature and put on God's glory. I'm gonna say that again over to this side. You guys weren't excited enough. That last week it was this side. Okay, you ready for this? Why is it so important for us to understand that the, the secret that Paul's telling us about in Colossians, why is it so important for us to understand that we get to incarnate Christ and we get to have the mystery of it? Because every time we practice being Christ-like, we work on taking sin nature off. And every time we help someone take off their sin nature by clothing them, by feeding them, by being there with them, you know what we help them do? We help them put on their glory coat. And I found last week interesting because all week along, the whole sermon, I'm trying to tell you about these coats. And afterwards, someone came up to me and he said, you know what you missed saying? I go, well, tell me. 
You know how uncomfortable it is trying to keep my glory on and trying to keep my sin on? I don't know if you notice this. Man ain't supposed to live by two coats alone. I don't think that's the quote, but I'm not supposed to have God on Sunday morning and show you this and then have me Monday through Saturday looking like this. If you are struggling with your faith, I, I, I submit this to you. Maybe it's because you're trying to keep what God has promised you while still wrestling with the parts of sin that you enjoy. But if we just keep going along and helping people, I will tell you now, you get an emotion. You get an emotion when you pull off your left side sin nature and you put on God's glory. Something happens a couple weeks ago during our interactive time of worship. We just said this. We believe there's some people in here that want personal prayer. And if that's you, raise your hand. And hands went up all around the place. And then we did something. If you're new to Nav Church, it may be different for you, but it's becoming common for us. Rather than Pastor David, who has a degree and a title on his name, coming down and personally praying for everyone, you know what we did? Hey, church. You pray for them. So it was, if your hand's up, raise your hand, let's pray. Everyone looked around, hands went up. I watched people like go halfway across the auditorium. It was absolutely beautiful. And I found out this just recently. One of the people that were here was a guest going through a very difficult, and just, I'm going to leave it vague, you have to trust me, but going through an incredible difficult time in their life. And they were sitting in the back, and I said, hey, if you need prayer, raise your hand. They raised their hand. I said, if you're around them, go pray. A couple people went and prayed. And here's what they said. I couldn't believe the words that they were saying as they were praying for me. And here's why. Because it wasn't them praying. It was the Christ in them praying. That, that's, there's a key difference. You have to know when your voice is speaking versus going, oh, that's that. That's that voice. That's that Holy Spirit. So then they started praying for him. And it was a wonderful time of prayer. And then after church, one of the individuals that was praying made sure to come up and they said this, I want you to know for some reason, I've just, I have a burden for you now. So I'm going to be praying for you um, for the next couple weeks and I'm just on your team as far as prayer. And this person was so touched. And then eventually ended up walking out of the building. But the other person praying for him had something happening inside of him, decided to chase him out of the building, which by the way, can I just say, like not a habit we want to have around here, you know, <laughs> you know stalking, chasing, it's borderline there. So, but went out and said this, I don't know why, but God wants me to give you $20 and gave them $20. Here's what they don't know, is in their life, because of what they're struggling with, there is a concern about future money. And the person that was our guest that we just prayed for said this, $20 doesn't solve everything, but it felt like God was saying to me, I'm going to say that again. I need you to hear this. It wasn't the person praying. It wasn't pastor's direction. Felt like because of $20 given to them, that God was saying, I have your future taken care of. So here's a thought for you today. Um, I think it's in the notes. It may not be. You may want to write this down so you can tweet it out or exit out. I don't know what we're supposed to call that now. Ready? To see, I'll wait. Apparently it was a bad joke. Here we go. To see us in action is to see God in action. 
To see us in action is to see God in action. Hopefully, it's this God, the glory God. Hopefully, not the God of this age. Because I'll tell you now, whew, there are some people out there that it feel a lot better to be that left side person letting them know what I feel. But could you imagine when someone gets handed $20 and all of a sudden in their side of their heart they go, wow, my future is secure. It's because we listen to God. So why is it and how is it that we do this? Let's go to Colossians. Colossians 1.24, this has been our key verse. I'm going to read all of it and then there's two things that I'm going to take out of this week. Verse 24, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. All of Christ's work on the cross, the propitiation of our sin. If you don't know that word, I'll just tell you now, your sin. Like, Jesus took care of all that. But you know what Jesus wasn't able to take care of? All of your suffering. But he wants to. How is it that he wants to? By me helping you in your suffering. By her helping her, him helping him, them helping them. We step in and we get to continue to do the work of Christ here on the earth. Not because our works pay for your salvation, but our works help you work out your salvation. So now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction. For the sake of his body, which is the church. So this is Paul writing now. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And the mystery, ready for this? This mystery, Silas, you, there's a mystery that I want to tell you about when it comes to your wife and when it comes to children and when it comes to sexual relationships and when it comes to taxes and when it comes to investments. I want to tell you all these things, Mariah, but at eight years old, you're not age appropriate to know them yet. And even if you were age-appropriate and I gave you the, car, the, the keys to the car, you will find exciting truths behind that car. But the fact is, you're going to end up wrecking it before you drive it because you're not age-appropriate to get behind it yet. But church, body of Christ, followers of Jesus, you need to hear this. We are at an age-appropriate to get this understanding of who Jesus is. Because there's been a mystery until we grew up, humanity grew up, until we aged up to the point where God could tell us this. And it's been hidden for ages and generations, but now it's disclosed. Congratulations, we're no longer the children of God. We're the young adults. I'll take it. It's an improvement. Like, like we're, we're the adults of God now. And here's what it says. To them, God has chosen to make it known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. And what is this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. When someone is going through something and you hope that someone else will come along and take care of it, I'm just letting you know you've decided to shut the box of hope in their life when you decide to walk away because Christ was in front of them and it's you. And when they see you doing the acts of God, it's almost like God doing the acts for himself. There's a mystery. We are God's ambassadors here on the earth. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching every, uh, everyone with all the wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all my energy, Christ so powerfully works inside of us. So a question that I would have for you is simply this. What is the attitude that we should have when we decide to incarnate Christ in us? And it started in verse uh, 24. 
now I rejoice. What is the spirit that we're supposed to have when we do ministry for Christ? It's simply this. It's joy. And if you're like, well, I'm not always in the mood. Listen, I'm not always in the mood to make dinner and clean up for dinner and help brush teeth. And like, I'm not always in the mood for it. But I do know this. These small steps that I take help someone else to grow up or pull off a sin nature. If you've ever sat in a meeting before where someone was struggling in a relationship and all of a sudden you throw out a thought where they become less self, I'm telling something powerful happens in a meeting like that. When you're having a discussion with someone and they're trying to figure out their faith or they're wrestling with something or what does the future have and all of a sudden you get this thought that you've never had before and you share it with them. I have, there have been times that I've done personal ministry in a church setting and in counseling meetings where I just ask a question. And you're like, well, what does your uncle have to do with this? Or what does dad have to do with this? Or why am I asking about this phrase? Because all of a sudden, God gives you something, and you say it to them, and it unlocks inside of them something they've never seen before. Can I just tell you, you walk out of that meeting with two things. Number one, humbled. Because you know why? It's not David inside of David helping them at this point. Because you know who I know really well? It's me. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. Ready for this? David's an idiot. You don't have to clap for that one. You're killing me over there. But let's be honest. I know me. Like, I know what I still find funny. And 17-year-old David goes like, you still find that funny 30 years later? Like, like, I know who I am. But here's what I know. The greatest things that I've ever been involved in had nothing to do with David the person. It had to do with David the Christ guy. Christ followed many Christ, Christerian. I don't know what that would be. You get humbled when you say something that you know you didn't have anything to do with. But then the other thing that happens, you walk out of there excited. You're full of joy. And here's what I get to say. Oh, my God, you were God today. Like you were just you and I got to be a part of it and someone got to take off a sin nature and put a little bit more of their glory nature on and all of a sudden this marriage that was going to hell in a handbasket is looking like it's getting on a different road and I'm telling you, you get so full of joy and when you have a teenager come in and they're talking to you and you find out that they've been cutting and you're like, why? And all of a sudden you start talking and they tell you this thing you've never heard before and all of a sudden they start breaking down and you start breaking down. You would think you walk out of there going, oh my God, how depressing they have to go no you're filled with joy you know why because they got insight to who Jesus was and Jesus loved them enough last week I started the sermon by saying listen I know this is the most basic thing but I feel like God's wanting me to say this so someone can hear it and I said it and after church someone hit me up on my dms and they said listen that was me that you had to say that for and I'm sorry for the hundreds of you that had to wait while one person got ministered to, but I can tell you now, the joy that Jesus felt when they heard what was said is the same joy I get to experience seeing them walk in freedom now. How is it that we do this ministry? How is it that we do our life? We do it through joy. Because listen, Jesus standing on this side of the cross he looked at it and he goes, for the joy set before me, I'm going to endure all the sin so that people can have all my glory. 
for the joy set before us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to serve. And by the way, if you're hearing this right now and you're thinking, oh, of course, they're doing a big, you know, big push to get volunteers and stuff like that. No, no, no. We're on purpose giving an opportunity for you to step into places of joy that you've never experienced before. Do you know right now there's at least five people that you don't see, know, or have some of them even where they're sitting in this building or somewhere else, but our online campus can only happen because of five people you never see. But just so you know, uh, boy, I I don't want to say numbers. One of the weeks, a third of our church was online, not sitting here in person. And you go, well, I was just behind a camera. I was behind. No, no, no. I got the joy of letting people hear the gospel. All I do is serve coffee. No, no, no. You know what you do? You create an environment where people can just stand around. Because you know what's weird? Somehow having a drink in your hand makes it easier to talk to people. Without a drink, humanity just stands in circles looking. Oh, well, how are you today? Like, it's amazing what happens just because of a bottle in your hand. This isn't so that we can recruit and ask for people and give opportunity to serve. We're saying this because there's a revelation that we need to know. And the revelation is there is a Christ in you that are going to touch people, talk to people, work with people that I never can, the staff never can, the leadership never can. And it's not our job. It's your job to roll back the curse and bring heaven down to earth. And how is that? Because you are acting just like Christ did. And I'm wondering, was there ever a time where Jesus showed up to the multitudes and went, oh, not again. I know I would all that work, all the time, unless I had the mindset of, God, you have brought a multitude through me, to me, so that I can reveal to them the freedom that is waiting for them. Oh, man, that fills me with joy. But we have to be careful, because in this, there's a tendency to do something something else. And how do you practically do this? This is what we want to talk about for the last couple of minutes together. John chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. If you have your notes, take them. You can download the app to get my notes, or you can look at the screen behind me. John chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Pause real quick. What was Jesus doing? This is horrible. I can't. This is the Sabbath. For those who don't know, we work six days, rest one. God in the created pattern, he worked for six days. He, for the first three days, here's just really like a fire hose of information, ready? The first three days, he filled forms. The next three days, he went and filled those three forms. And then on day number seven, he rested as a pattern for us. And so Jesus, on this day of rest that every Jewish man could be taking, he did the most horrible thing in the world. Ready for this? He, 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 he healed a guy. And then he said, roll up your mat and go ahead and head home. And the act of rolling up his mat on Sabbath was breaking the Sabbath law. And so Jesus, they attack him. By the way, the guy wasn't selling mats. He wasn't doing deliveries on the Sabbath of him when he sold it the day before. He was picking up his mat. And so just because Jesus was doing these horrific, sinful, ungodly, non-Jewish traditional things, I added a few words there in case you didn't pick that up. So in his defense, Jesus said to these Jewish leaders, 
My father is always at, uh, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Uh-oh. He said, for this reason, they tried, to, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, according to somebody, we'll talk about that, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. And by the way, in John 5, 16 through the remainder of the chapter, I could show you the five different areas where Christ parallels himself to God. And so anyone who ever says to you, well, I don't believe that Jesus was God. I just think he was a good teacher. Just so you know, he wasn't. Just going to throw that out. He told people to drink his blood. He told people to eat his flesh. He claimed to be God. At one point, he even said he was a wooden door. The only way that makes Jesus a good teacher is if he is Christ. Just so you know. Because even some of the logic of his teaching, you've heard it said that if you do this, this is murder. But I'm telling you now, it's murder if you just talk bad about someone. No, it's not Jesus. That's not, you couldn't get convicted of that. He's a good teacher because he's a good God. And so now, for this reason, they tried to kill him even more. He was breaking the Sabbath. He was even saying God the Father, making himself equal to God. Then Jesus gave him this answer. He said, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will even show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. It's now standing with these religious leaders and they're saying he broke the Sabbath because God doesn't work. So, Here's just, we're going to cover a lot of ground in the next nine minutes. Ready for this? So when it comes, does God follow all of his laws? See, we want to quickly say yes, right? Because God is the maker of laws. The problem is, if God doesn't follow all of his laws, he's now a rule breaker. So how can God be the keeper of the rules as well as a rule breaker? But then you go, but can he follow all of his laws? So for instance, if God takes a Sabbath once a week, just so you know, the universe falls apart. And by the way, we can read in uh, Isaiah, we can read in different places. God never uh, ceases to exist. And when God says about our work, it is different than his work. Because God, when he works, it doesn't deplete him whatsoever. And so, right now, I'm going to throw something out in case someone needs to hear this today. If you've ever said, or currently you're saying in your life, that, man, I don't want to give God one more thing, you're actually saying to God, I understand that you're limited, so I don't want to pull on you anymore. And you don't have an understanding of who God is. God doesn't get exhausted because he makes the sun come up and set down the next day or the birds that he feeds or the wind that blows or the universe that isn't. God never is depleted because of who he is. It's out of who he is that he created something. And if you're at a place that you feel bad pushing into God because you think it depletes him, you don't have a full understanding of who God is. God is everything all the time, never lacking. And so just for anyone that may need to hear that right now, Go to him. He is your God. 
And so, so that kind of got me off. But you have these Jewish people now saying that God can't, uh, you're, you're supposed to be taking a Sabbath. And then Jesus says, but listen, I see my father working on the Sabbath, so I'm going to work on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees hate this because here's what we did. The Jewish people at the time, the Sabbath rules in order to understand it because they even understand that God had to keep working on the Sabbath. So they tried to make up rules that God didn't break, but we didn't have to break either. So for instance, they had to define what work means. If you have to carry something on the Sabbath, you're allowed to carry it as long as it's below your shoulders. Because if you have to bring it up to your shoulders, that is now constituted as work. By the way, these are the laws that we made trying to make it to we don't break a law right? And then they understood this. Well, if God owns everything, that means the whole universe is... is. So here's what we're going to do. We now have another law that says this. If you move something in your house, that's not working. But if you move something out of your house to a different house, that is defined as working. This is, by the way, this is what we did as Jewish, like, this is our tradition, so enjoy it. Like, you're, this is part of your, you know, inheritance. So, like, these are the rules that we started making. And their logic was, if God owns everything, then he can move anything anywhere because it's all his house. Like, that's the logic that we were having. And Jesus was saying to them, listen, I appreciate that that's your logic, but your logic has now turned to legalism. And so here's what happens in the Christian faith. We take something that God never said and we put it in this closed fist category and say this is the law and this is how you have to do it and that's how we get legalism. But then here's, here's the other side of it and by the way, I'm not going down a long road here. Just, but when we take things that should be closed fist and we pull it out and we say this is now an option, that's called liberal or liberalism. And so when we say things like, well, Jesus isn't the only way to God, we've now taken this out of a closed fist. Jesus made it very clear. And we're saying, listen, there's many roads to God. No, 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 that's, that's being liberal. We can't do that. But then to say, well, listen, the only way to worship God and to read his Bible is through the King James Version. We now put something in a closed hand situation. And now that's called legalism. And somehow as Christians, we just have to get in the middle and just do what God tells us to do which is absolutely impossible, so good luck. Like, we can't do it. But somehow in the middle, we have to find this place, and Jesus was standing in this place and go, listen, if you're liberal or if you're legal, I'm not gonna listen to you. I'm gonna see what I do my father doing. So we can get to the point where every day in our life, we do the small things to look like Christians. When we see the basic things that we need to help with, we can do that. That is how we're Christ-like. And what is the attitude that we're going to have when we do it? It's one of joy, and we get to do it. But now we take one step further of what does it look like to Christ so powerfully works in me, according to Apostle Paul, verse 29 of Colossians 1. What does it mean to have Christ work powerfully in me? It means that Jesus was walking down the road. And while he was walking down the road, he had one eye on the world. He had one eye on God. He had one ear on what people were saying. He had one ear on his father. He had one hand here on earth. He had another one here in heaven trying to pull together. And there was a time that Jesus was walking down the road, and all of a sudden he heard someone yell out from the corner, Jesse, son of David, heal me. 
And he had to make a decision at that moment. Am I going to listen to the God in me or the flesh that would try to dictate my actions around me? Because his actions around him are going to tick off every one of the religious leader, which, by the way, starts putting him on a road towards crucifixion. And he had to make a decision. Am I listening to the, the voices in my head and the voices surrounding me? Or am I listening to the God inside of me talking? And you go, well, how do you know the difference between the two? The difference between the two is you know when you're having a thought, but when God gives you inspiration, this full package where you look over and it's somehow you don't know their full name, but you feel like you know them. And you don't know their past, but somehow enough of their story is standing out to you. And you can step into that moment, and you're not worried what coworkers are thinking. You're not worried what families are thinking. You're not worried what the new girl that you're hoping to date and you're hoping to like, or the new boy that you're trying to get to. You don't care what anybody else thinks because there's a voice inside of you saying that sin and death is ruling in the world next to you. And God has a desire to eradicate this and find something of holy to start sliding onto something, somebody else. Why? Why? Because we crave, we crave freedom. I'm, I'm going to go, man, I just, this past week, this past week, uh, a, a redhead, and I don't know his name, uh, played a, a, a banjo looking guitar. Can someone help me with a, not Ed Sheeran. He's got a big old ginger beard. Okay. You can't miss him. He wrote a song. Do you know the name? Oliver something? Anthony? Everyone Google Ginger Country Banjo. It'll come up. So it's a darn shame. Figure out whatever words you need to there. What the world's come to. People like me and people like you. He's living in a new world with an old soul. And by the way, this is as country as it gets. So you know that if I like it, yeah. throwing that out there. So it was interesting. North of, yeah, uh, rich men, north of Richmond. And I normally don't jump on topical things like this. And I know we're going to record it and people are going to watch it later and you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But I was sitting with my older boys and I had them listen to the song, which, by the way, there's a couple cuss words in there. So sorry, I let my kids listen to it because this is a culturally relevant, relevant thing. And I need to incarnate them into a biblical worldview. So sometimes you have to process them through stuff like this. And I had my two older boys. They listened to it. I said, tell me what you heard. And they told me what they heard. And here's what I told them. When I listen to this song, I hear a man, a guy, working uh, a dead-end job some, for some bullcrap pay. Okay. And what I told him I heard, I said, I heard someone craving freedom. I believe that we were born free in a garden. And because of the decisions that we made, we clothed ourselves with sin and death. But just because we put that clothes on us didn't mean that we were made to wear that. And when we hear in a nation right now, from comedians to artists start writing different music craving for freedom. I don't think it's an American thing. I actually think it's a human thing. Because you know what I don't think we were made for? I don't think we were made for our kids to be kidnapped and sex trafficked. I don't believe we were made because you're black, I'm white. Because you're Hispanic, I'm uh, you know, Native American. I don't think we were made to hate each other because of a skin color. Yeah. 
I don't think we were supposed to pull women down or pull men down because of gender. I think we're each created with a specific identity and a purpose that it takes both of us to raise a God-given family that's in a closed-hand conversation. And we as followers of Christ, we have to get to the point where when we hear people crying out for freedom, instead of saying we need to vote the right person in, we may need to be the right person stepping up. Instead of saying, man, you know, we need to really change the education system. Hang on, are you saying you're going to or someone else does? Because if you are showing up saying it needs to happen, there's a chance the Christ in you realizes there's some jackets that a nation is wearing right now that needs to be pulled off and a new jacket of glory needs to be put on. So you guys either got to clap or not. It makes me in an awkward spot. When we are given something from God, it is for us to incarnate and then to give to others. And we give it through a spirit of joy. We give it through mercy when people can't mercy themselves. And what we look for is when do we do it? Well, number one, we do it all day long when we look for those that are hurting, those that are naked, those that are thirsty, those that are hungry. We look to just how do we serve. But then there will be times in your life when you're walking down the road and something happens inside of you. There is a thought that you've never had before, a comment that you've never considered making for, an answer that no one's asked a question to. And all of a sudden, you have to realize that's the Christ in you wanting to go above and beyond to give someone else freedom. And so today, you need to hear this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ is in you. You are the hope of someone else's glory. You are the hope that they are seeking. You are the hope that they're looking for. So God, I pray we continue to have this. It feels like one sermon over four weeks. But I want to continue to have this conversation, God, because there is a lost and a dying world out there. There is a generation that is so confused even over their identity. God, there is going to be within 10 years a wave of a generation desperate to find truth. God, may we incarnate that today. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word too. And we are willing to do that from the joy in which we are speaking from, but then also, God, because you are inside of us, and when you speak, we will respond. And actually, I'm going to ask everyone to say this with me. Say, I will respond. I will act. I will be the answer. God, may that be our declaration today. Let us be the hope of glory for the world around us. May we incarnate the Christ that was first incarnated for us. As we finish our time of prayer, I want to read Romans 16, 25 through 27 over you. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance to the gospel. The message that I proclaim about Jesus Christ is keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed 
and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles, all those living in Collinsville, all those living in 2023, all those listening to my voice, all those upon, uh, in a partnership with Navigation Church, you may know about this eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. And to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you've been walking by the back, I want to encourage you to walk by and maybe have a conversation with someone. We want nearly everyone, and I know that physically not everybody can, but if you're here today, if you've been waiting for a personal invite to stop by a booth, may you just take this right now as your personal invite. It's time to step into ministry. And the only thing to have something different than you've ever had is to do something you've never done. And today may be that day. I want to invite you to stop by a booth and have a conversation with someone. If you're ready just for your next level, it may be this. maybe connecting with the church, coming to a worship night. Stop by our next step booth. We'd be more than happy to answer any of those questions. And if you're a guest here, which, hey, Nav fam, can we do this real quick? To all of our guests today, we're so happy. So happy that you stopped by. We'd love for you to stop by our connecting center. If you've been here one, two, three weeks, stop by. We got a gift for you. And yes, the gift is to bribe you to stop by, but I don't care. We'd love for you to come by our connecting center. And to all of the ministers in the room, go. That's it. You are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have your ear on God. Have your hands on, on the earth. And let's see if we can't bring the two together. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, No Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.